right? It's Jonah and the whale. That's the first thing you think of. And for whatever reason, the whales always look nice, like they just allow Jonah to hop on in there. This one's a little crazy. He's got little vicious teeth going on. Uh, maybe, maybe it's something like this, and I know, I know this is Geppetto, okay, so don't hold this against me, but sometimes we get this idea that Jonah just like set up shop in the whale, right? Like he was just in there with a campfire, and he was praying and doing his thing for, for three nights and, and three days. And, and, and listen, the whale is a big part of Jonah's story, okay? The whale is a big part of Jonah's story and the, the book of Jonah, but there, there is so much more going on in the book of Jonah. And I'm just going to apologize real quick. We got a brand new clicker this week, and up is down and down is up. So if there's chaos that ensues throughout this, just that's what's going on, okay? So I just apologize for that up front. Uh, so it, it, we're going to discover so much about God's incredible uh, character, Okay, so much more about God's character through this book of Jonah. We're going to see his mercy and his forgiveness. And not only towards his people, but even those who show animosity towards God, even those who are hostile towards God. I want to start out here and just show you, this is kind of our, our, our theme verse uh, for this entire series. So Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. It says, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. So again, we're going to see God's mercy and forgiveness. We're going to see this, this verse a little bit later today and, and throughout this series. But we're going to see God's justice and his righteousness as he sends Jonah to a people to tell them to repent for their wickedness. We're going to see God's authority and power as he creates this incredible storm uh, in the sea that, that ultimately causes Jonah to be cast into the sea. We're going to see God's sovereignty as he accomplishes his purpose, even if he has to use a reluctant prophet to do it. Now, in this, this book of Jonah, there's also a lot of foreshadowing. Okay, when the storm comes up and they're, they're in the boat and we see all these, all these guys freaking, on the boat, freaking out on the boat, where is, where is Jonah? Sleeping. Does that sound familiar a little bit? There's another, there's another place in the New Testament where a bunch of dudes are on the boat freaking out, and there's a, a pretty important guy down in the, in the hole sleeping, right? I don't want to point any fingers. It was Jesus. Okay, he does that too. Uh, or, or, or the story also tells us, the story of Jonah tells us that he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Does that sound familiar? Maybe not, maybe not the fish part, but when, when Jesus was asked by the religious leaders in Matthew chapter 12, they asked him for a sign. Right, they asked him for a sign to, to prove that he was the Messiah, and here's how he responded. He says, an evil and adulterous generation craves a sign, yet no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah, because just as Jonah was in the stomach of the sea creature for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment and condemn the people living today, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And then Jesus says, but look, something greater than Jonah is here. So let's, let's dig into this story. I think we're going to see that there's way more to the book of Jonah than just a good fish story. All right, so the, the title of this sermon uh, is When Jonah Ran from God. When Jonah ran from God. If you're familiar with Jonah's story, you probably know that he initially tried to run from God. When God called him to go to the people of Nineveh, he, he initially tried to run. But did you know that this wasn't Jonah's first calling? This wasn't Jonah's first calling. God had actually called Jonah before that to speak to the kingdom of Israel, okay, to speak to the people of Israel. And Jonah didn't try to run 
that time because it was a good assignment. It was something that he was excited to do. And so that brings me to our, my first point is that sometimes we're, we're really excited about what God wants us to do. Sometimes we, we love God's messaging and so we, we run to him. We run to him when he, when he calls us to do something. And so we're going to see that in, in Jonah's first calling in 2 Kings chapter 14. It says this, Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gathifer. For the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel and that there was no one in Israel, slave or free, to help them. Now let's just, let me give you a little bit of, of backstory on this so you know the context of what's going on. Jo- Jonah, he, he lived in a time where the nation of Israel had been split. Okay, there, there was the, the northern nation, the northern kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah. And Jonah, he, he lived in the northern kingdom. This, this split happened right after the death of, of King Solomon, okay? And so the first king of the northern kingdom, after, or the first king of the northern kingdom after they split was a guy named Jeroboam. This guy that we're talking about here in 2 Kings is different. That's why he's known as, as Jeroboam II. There were actually 13 kings up until this point. 13 kings in the northern kingdom. So, so a, a lot of time had passed between the split and, and, and where we're at here. And so out of those 13 kings, the Bible says that not a single one of them served the Lord. Not a single one of them did right in the sight of God. And in fact, if we back up a couple verses here, we see that when Jeroboam, when, the second, when he became king, it says that he also did evil in the sight of the Lord. He also did evil in the sight of of the Lord. So we see that just generation after generation of leaders in this northern kingdom led the people to, to sin, led the people to go against God, led the people into suffering. And so it says that the Lord saw that the nation was suffering. It says that it's, the Lord saw their bitter suffering and he had compassion on them. He had mercy on them. God saved his people in spite of their rebellion and sin because that's how merciful God is. Psalm 100 tells us that his mercy is everlasting. Jonah was the one who got to deliver this message to the people of Israel. He was the one who got to share with them that God would save them. So talk about a great assignment, right? Like that's something you're going to run to God. When he calls you to do something like that, you're going to run. So Jonah got to tell the people of Israel that God was going to save them from their suffering. So he was probably pretty popular after that. Right? He, he was, Jonah was, he was getting invited to all the parties. People were giving him their box seats to the chariot races. Like Jonah was the guy to be at that time, okay? Because sometimes we hear God's calling and we're quick to respond. We're quick to respond to what God, because it sounds like a, 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 pretty, a pretty sweet assignment, right? Like I remember when God called me to leave the faith that I had known for the first 30 years of my life. And he called me into relationship with him. Rather than checking boxes trying to impress God and trying to earn his favor, he called me into relationship. And yeah, that was, that was scary for me, right? But there was this, this opportunity to be in relationship with God that sounded so much greater than what I was doing. I remember when God called me uh, to first volunteer to be a youth leader so many years ago at, at our Leighton campus. Okay? And I, I was so excited to be able to help and, and serve the youth and, and help them to pursue God because that's not something I had growing up. And I remember ultimately when, when God called me out of my, my comfy desk job and, and my paycheck and he, he called me into full-time ministry and I was terrified. I didn't know what that would mean for, for my wife Lacey and I. I didn't know what that would look like financially. 
but I knew that there was nothing else in the world that I would rather do. And so all of these things were exciting. All of these things were, were leading me towards God. And I'm sure that you can think of examples in your life when God's calling has been great. And maybe that was when God called you into relationship with him. Maybe that was when you, you first realized that you were broken, you were a sinner, that you needed saving. And that God sent his son to the cross to, to give you that saving that you needed to be your salvation. What an amazing calling in your life when you realize that. Maybe God called you out of addiction. And listen, I've, I've, that's not a battle I've, I've, I've ever had to deal with, I've ever had to win, but I've seen what addiction does to people's lives. I've seen what it does to their relationships. And I've also seen what it looks like when God brings victory, when God brings people out of addiction. And that's an amazing calling. That's something amazing that people get to experience. I got in trouble at, at one of the other campuses for equating this to prison time, but if God has ever called you to serve in kids' church, <laughs> then you've probably experienced something that wasn't prison time, okay? Kids' church is absolutely amazing. I think everybody should, yes, this is a shameless plug for kids' church, okay? If you've never served in kids' church, you should do it. It is, it is incredible. Ask anybody who served in that to, just to see these kids and, and what it means to, to walk with them on their journey with, with Christ. Like, it, it is absolutely amazing. It's nothing like prison time, and so I'm, I'm still repenting for, for equating it to that, but you, you should absolutely serve in kids' church if you get the opportunity. Now, sometimes God's calling doesn't seem that great. Sometimes God calls us into things that aren't very exciting. Okay, and that, that leads me to my next point, which is that sometimes we reject God's messaging and we run. We reject God's messaging and we run. And this is what Jonah tried to do when God called him to go to announce judgment on the city of Nineveh. And he not only tried to run, he literally tried to get as far away from God in the opposite direction as he could. Look what it says here, right at the very beginning, starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. And before I go on to verse 3 here, just, just for a second, put yourself in Jonah's shoes. Okay, God is asking him to go into the, the biggest city of the Assyrian Empire, Okay, it's this huge, important city. It's of the most dominant country in the world. They are known for their brutality. They are known for being hostile towards Jonah and his people. And God wants him to go in there and tell them to stop living the way they're living. If you were in Jonah's shoes, what, what would you do? How would you respond? Jonah, I think, takes a, a pretty reasonable response, and he, he runs. Verse 3, it says, but Jonah got up, and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord. Now, I always find it a little bit odd that the Bible tells us that Jonah went in the opposite direction of the Lord. Like he was actually trying to hide from God. I would think as a prophet of God, you would know better, right? Like that's, you cannot hide from God. There is nowhere that you can go that will take you out of God's presence. Psalm 139, starting in verse 7, I don't have a slide for this, I apologize, says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. 
If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. So in case you aren't sure, in case you didn't know, in case this verse didn't cover it for you, you can't hide from the Lord. There is nowhere you can go to be outside of his presence. And so I, I, I'm sure like you think, why did, why did Jonah run? Why did he run then? I think the most common thing is we think, oh, it's probably fear. It was probably fear that he was going to go to Nineveh and, and share this message that God wants him to share, and they were not going to have anything to do with it. Right? They may turn hostile. They may, they may, they may turn against him and, and, and hurt him. Right? At the very least, they're going to mock and, and, and ridicule him. Now, they're, knowing for, they're known for being brutal, okay? and so the fear probably did have a little bit to do with it. But that wasn't the main reason that, that Jonah ran. Okay, and Jonah actually tells us why he ran a little bit later in chapter 4, verse 2. It says, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. And here we get to our, our key verse. It says, I know that you are merciful and compassionate, God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. And so we read this and it's like, wait, What? Jonah's mad at God because he's slow to get angry? Jonah's mad at God because he doesn't want to destroy people? Like, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't make sense, but we have to keep in mind the context of what's going on. Jonah knew that if Assyria thrived, then Israel would be in danger. Jonah knew that, and, and, and he was actually right. Eventually, the Assyrians would conquer the northern kingdom of Israel and, and, and lead them all into captivity. So Jonah was hoping that God would destroy the nation. God was hoping, that, or, or Jonah was hoping that God would destroy the Assyrians because they represented such a great threat to the nation of Israel. See, Jonah was trying to control the situation instead of trusting in God, so he ran. Now, before we get too judgy of Jonah, okay, I think most of us can, can probably relate. I think every single one of us can remember a time in our life when we had to choose between trusting God in a situation or fleeing, and we chose to flee. Maybe it was a time when God was calling you out to, to reach out to that neighbor, right? You know, that neighbor, right? the one, the one who, who, who's causing all the tension in the neighborhood, but you could never really must, muster up the, the courage to talk to them. Maybe it was uh, God was calling you to quit a job that you were working in that, that really wasn't honoring to him, but instead you fled. Maybe uh, young people in here especially have felt God's call to stand up for somebody who was being picked on or, or bullied, but rather than stepping into that situation because you knew it would put a target on your own back, you fled. Whatever it is, every one of us in here probably has a time where we fled from God. When I think of uh, Jonah's call to Nineveh, it, re it reminds me of uh, a book that I have on my shelf. I, I have to be real with you guys and say I've never read it. It's on my shelf. I know exactly what it's about. Okay, it's called Through the Gates of Splendor. And it was written by Elizabeth Elliot back in, in the 50s. And what had happened is her husband and a few other men had gone to Ecuador, and, and they, the plan, what they were planning on doing was to uh, befriend and evangelize the, the Hueorani troop, okay, or the Aka troop, that's the easier way to say it, the Aka tribes uh, in Ecuador. 
And so they'd gone down there to do this, and, and, and they had set up camp, and they had, they had had a few small successes. Okay, they'd even been able to take one, one of the tribesmen showed uh, lots of curiosity about the plane that they'd come in on, and they were able to take him on a plane. And so it looked like things were kind of going their way. The tribesmen, however, had a little bit of a different outlook on it, and they ended up sending a small war party to, to greet them, and the war party killed all of them, killed Jim Elliot, killed Jim Elliot and all of his companions and the pilot. Okay, and, and maybe you're thinking, well, what does that have to do with Jonah, Pastor Jason? Thank you for asking. Because what happened is a few years later, his wife, Elizabeth, who, who wrote this book, she ended up getting a calling from God in her own life. And that calling was to go to the very people who murdered her husband and evangelize them. And so I think about her mindset in this. Like, did she have that fear? Was she scared of what they would do to her if they would turn on her? But she was faithful to God and her calling, and she ended up going and successfully evangelizing uh, this tribe in Ecuador. And she has this quote. Uh, this is such a great quote. She says this. She says, to be a follower of the crucified means sooner or later a personal encounter with the cross. And the cross always entails loss. If we're going to follow Jesus, there are going to be times in our life where we're going to experience loss. And so the question is, are we willing to suffer loss when God calls? Or are we going to flee? And that takes me to my next point, which is this. Our bad choices don't just affect us. Okay, our bad choices don't just affect us. They have collateral damage. So what we're going to see in this, this story is that there were consequences for Jonah's running. And those consequences weren't, they didn't, they weren't just impactful on Jonah, but on everybody on that ship. Okay, so let's get back into it. Picking up in verse 4, it says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Okay, so Jonah, he's on this boat, and God sends this powerful storm, right? And it says that the sailors feared for their lives. They feared for their lives, and so they shouted out to their gods. And notice these are, these are small G gods. They're not even gods at all. But they're in fear for their lives, and so they're, they're, they're shouting out to them, and, and then they begin to throw cargo overboard, Right, to help lighten the ship. And so we see that the, the crew, they suffered material loss because of Jonah's disobedience. Okay, like somebody had to pay for that cargo that they were, they were transporting. Uh, they, we see that they suffered anxiety. They suffered fear because of his obedience. And so not only were there financial consequences to what Jonah did, but, but there were severe emotional consequences to what Jonah did. And I'll be honest, you guys, like this, this, this hits home a little bit for me. Like it's a reminder that, that my disobedience affects more than just me. My disobedience affects the people around me, other people, like people that I love, right? People that I'm close to, my disobedience affects them. And here's the thing, is, is, is one of the lies that the devil tries to get us to believe, one of the greatest lies, is that our sin only affects us. Satan would love for you to believe that your sin only impacts you. And that's just not true. Okay, that's just not true. Our sin always has a ripple effect. The Bible, in, in, in the book of Romans, Paul wrote that the wages of sin is death. Okay, not, not physical death. We're all going to experience that. Okay, but our sin brings a, 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 about all kinds of, of death, like a spiritual death, an emotional death. Okay, and, and it's not just on us. 
It's impacting the, the, the people around us. According to the Bible, our disobedience can even result in generational sin. Where our kids and our, and our grandkids, like they, they have a bent to sin in a certain way because we never took care of our sin. See, Jonah's disobedience was costly to everyone on that boat. And I know some of you in, in this room have, have experienced this firsthand, like you've learned this, this lesson the hard way. You've seen the, the devastating effects that your sin can have on the people around you, the people that you love. And so if that's you, I hope that you're encouraged by this story. I hope that you're encouraged by the story of Jonah because when Jonah comes to his senses, God, God actually uses this situation to bless the sailors on the boat by revealing himself to them. And God can do that same thing in your life to the people that you've impacted, the people that you, you've hurt. God can redeem the bad choices that you've made if you come to him and repent. If you come to him and, and repent. So the storm, it, it, it continues to rage and, and, and nothing seems to be working for the crew, right? They've called out to their gods. They've, they've lightened the ship. They've thrown over the, the, the cargo. And so the captain of the ship, he goes looking for Jonah. And, of course, he, he finds him asleep in the hold of the boat. And the captain asks him, how can you sleep at a time like this? He says, go and pray to your God and maybe he will save us. How can you sleep at a time like this? Like, how many of you know somebody who could sleep at a time like that? Like, drive, some people just, the way they sleep, it's so, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but a few years ago, uh, we had a situation in the middle of the night uh, where someone broke into our garage. Uh, well, they didn't really break in. I left the garage door open, so they just walked in. That's besides the point. Uh, so they're in there, and one of the neighbors happened to see them. Okay, this was like four in the morning, and one of the neighbors happened to see them. And so the neighbor approached them and said, hey, can we help you with something? Right, they freaked out, they, they lost, and, and they all, there was all this commotion, like things started getting knocked over, they ran, they had rode in on bikes, they left their bikes, so I didn't even get robbed, I, I added two bikes to my collection. The, do the dog starts barking, right, I flip on the lights, I go out, and I talk to the neighbor, here. everything that's going on, come back in, start going back to sleep, right, and then all of a sudden, there's pounding on the door, I go out there, it's the cops, right, so the dog's barking again, the lights are all on, the cops, are... next morning, I was like, man, that was crazy last night. My beautiful wife, Lacey, who's not here so I can make fun of her, she was like, what do you mean? I was like, are you kidding me? Like, she slept, anyway, people who sleep like that, like, you sleep on a boat in the middle of this, this storm, like, this is the most crazy thing to me. And so the captain's right, he's like, how can you sleep at a time like this? But this, this really is a, a, a tragic scene that's taking place. Like all these sailors are lifting up cries to, to, to their gods who aren't even real gods. Their cries, their wishes, their prayers are all in, in vain. And there's only one person on the boat who actually has a relationship with the creator of the universe. And instead of interceding for the crew on their behalf, he's sleeping and so I don't know, like, I don't know if it's just me, but do you ever look back on conversations and think, man, I, I really should have told them about Jesus. Right? Like, we're in a conversation, and, and God just gives us this perfect slow pitch strike right down the middle, and we just, we just watch it go by. So it, it makes me wonder, are we sleeping? 
Are we sleeping while the, the world around us clearly doesn't have a relationship with the God of the Bible? And we should be interceding on its behalf. Are, are, we, are we anywhere to be found or are we sleeping? Parents, your kids need you to step in and to show them encouragement and to teach them truth. To help them in the midst of everything that the world is throwing at them. Because just to be real, right now, the world, full send, is trying to destroy our children. Are you sleeping? Husbands, your, your wives need you to be battling for them, to be on your knees in prayer for them and your children. Are you sleeping? Students, are you the only one in your class that has a relationship with the God of the Bible? I promise you, that's pretty common here in Utah. Are you the only one in the class who knows the true God, the creator of heaven and earth? And rather than praying for God to open the hearts and the minds of your students, of, the, of, your, of your classmates, are you sleeping? Do you work in an office where you're the only one who knows Jesus, you're the only one who has a relationship with Jesus, and rather than interceding on behalf of, of your coworkers, you're sleeping. If so, let's, let's, let's wake up. Let's be alert, let's be diligent. God has called us into this place at this time for a reason. Wherever you're at in your life right now, you are there on purpose. I praise God that, that my failures and my shortcomings don't, don't keep God from accomplishing his purposes, okay? Not, not that there aren't consequences, because there are still consequences. Just like Jonah, there are consequences, but also, like Jonah, God will absolutely do what God wants to do. Okay, and that's, that's, that's my last point for the day, is that God is always at work, whether we're running to him or from him. God is always at work. The sailors, they ended up casting lots to try to figure out who was to blame Right, and the law, it, it falls on Jonah, and so they start coming at Jonah with all these questions, They're like, who are you? Why is this storm hitting us? What do you do for a living? Where, what country are you from? And Jonah, he, he finally, he opens up, he says, I, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And then it says that the sailors were terrified, because Jonah had originally told them that he was running from the Lord. He was running from the, the, the Lord, and Jonah tells them, he, he, he starts to take responsibility. He says, if you throw me into the sea, the sea will calm down. Right, and the sailors, they, they don't want to do that, so they try again. They try to row even harder against the sea. They don't want to throw him in, but they have no success, and so they're, they're left with only one option. And so they, try, they pray. <laughs> they ask God, forgive us. Forgive us for, for what we're about to do. And they throw Jonah in. And verse 15 says, as soon as he touched the sea, it went calm. Like imagine that. There's all this wind, all the, all the waves, the commotion, the waves crashing on the boat. Everything is going on. And they throw Jonah over. And as soon as he hits the water, it stops. That would get your attention. Right? That would get your attention. It, it, it did, in fact. It, it got the attention of the sailors. Verse 16 says this. says, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So notice that the, the sailors, they're, 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 they're vowing to serve him after the storm. See, because what we pretty commonly do is, is we pray to God to, to bring us through in the midst of the storm. 
right? And we start to bargain with God. We're like, God, if you just get me through this storm, if you just deliver me through this storm, then I will serve you. And I promise I'll go to church every Sunday. God, if you will just, just get this one need, God, just, just meet this one need for me. And then I'll, uh, I'll X, Y, Z, whatever that is, right? We start, to, we start to bargain with God. But these guys, these sailors, God had already delivered them through the storm when they make their vow. God used Jonah's disobedience to draw these sailors into himself. He used Jonah's disobedience to draw these sailors into himself. So as we wrap up today, I, I want to talk to you just real quick about three categories that you might fall into based off this, this first chapter of Jonah. Okay, runners, sleepers, and sailors. So for you runners out there, I guarantee there's, there's people in this room right now that are running from God. God's called you to do something difficult. Maybe he's called you to, to give up something and, and, and you are doing your best to, to flee, to get in the opposite direction of God. Let me just save you the, the headache and the heartache, okay? You can't. God is omnipresent. He is literally everywhere. So you cannot escape God's presence. But if you'll, if you'll stop and acknowledge your sin, you're going to find him waiting with open arms. He's just waiting there for you. Again, that doesn't mean there won't be consequences, okay? There, there, there might still be consequences that, that you have to deal with, but God is faithful to bring you through them. God can redeem those sins in your life and, and work them for your good if you love him, right? Romans 8.28 reminds us this, and, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So stop running and turn towards God. Second, sleepers. Right? You know who you are if you're a sleeper. Like If you recognize that you've been asleep, you failed to, to step up and engage in the battle that God has called you to, Two parts, okay, first, it's time to ask God for forgiveness. God, I'm sorry, I was sleeping. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't step up. And then the second part, God, call me again. Ask for opportunities. Ask for more opportunities to be able to step up, okay? And start small. Start small. Just, just send a text message to encourage somebody. Just, you know, spend a little bit of extra time in prayer for somebody other than yourself, okay? You don't have to go overseas. You don't have to go out on the street corner and call people to repentance for their sin. God might call you to do that one day, so you better be ready. But start small, okay? For now, just, just, just start small. Lastly, the sailors, okay? Not, not those of you who have mouths like a sailor, but for those of you who your world is turning upside down, okay? Like the sailors on, on, on the boat, and like the sailors, you don't, you don't yet have a relationship with the God of heaven and earth. If that's you, if that's speaking to you, like maybe you've looked to all the small G's, to all the false gods, right, to, to money, to, to power, to pleasure, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, you've looked there, didn't find fulfillment, there's still one place to go that I promise you, you will find fulfillment, okay? God is just waiting to be part of your life. God is going to use that storm in your life to draw you into himself, God is pursuing you just like he pursued Jonah when Jonah tried to run. God is pursuing you, but he's asking you to surrender. He's asking you to recognize your brokenness, recognize that you're in need of rescue and that Jesus went to the cross to pay that price, to be the salvation that you need. Jonah threw himself into the sea to save his crewmates. Jesus threw himself into the wrath of God to save us. 
Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for, for who you are. I thank you for your greatness, God, that you are big enough, God, that, that there's nothing in our life, God, that is too big for you. No matter what we've done, God, no matter where we're at, God, the sins we've committed, God, the hurt that we've caused, nothing we've done in this life is greater than your mercy. So we thank you, God, that you are worthy of our praise. God, I just pray for, for, for anyone in here who falls into those three categories, God. We, we all need your strength. We all need your, your wisdom, God. But for, for those of us who are just in this place, especially those of us who are running from you, let us stop running. Let us turn to you, God. Know that you are a God of healing. God, you are a God of restoration. Whatever that looks like, whatever we need in our lives, God, you are the ultimate provider. So God, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for everything that you do for us. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.